I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. Is your faith worth confessing? Is it worth confessing? I'm not talking about confessing our sin. I'm talking about confessing our Savior to the world. Uh, Because believe it or not, we're called scripturally uh, to confess the good, our Lord, the good confession. We're called to confess the bad, our sin. And we're called to confess the ugly, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll get to that in a bit, but we really are. I'll show you in a minute. First, uh, when it comes to confessing Christ, are you aware that there are two types of confessing Christ? I guess I knew them both. I'd never, I just never really looked at them in this light. Because first there's the classic. There's the good confession. That's what it's called in Scripture. Romans talks about it in chapter 10. Uh, Paul writes, if you confess with your mouth, uh, and of course the mouth speaks what's in the heart, so that means you believe it in your heart as well. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Not a Lord, not even the Lord, my Lord. Lord of my life. And also believe, you know, and believe in your heart that he has power over death. You know, that God raised him from the dead. You believe that he's my Lord, Lord of my life, eternal, life-giving. Well, then you'd be saved. You'd be saved. That's it. Right there. For it is with the heart that you believe what he just said, that that Jesus is the Lord of life and are justified. And I dug into that word because it's like, well, now how do we... Separate that from safe. Well, it's got a very specific meaning. Made right, uh, one uh, uh, commentator said, made acceptable to call on God. You know? And so you believe that he is Lord of life. That makes you acceptable to call on God. And it's with your mouth, Paul writes, that you make the call. That you're made right to call on him, now call. And so you confess and are saved. For the mouth speaks what's in the heart. And then he ends by saying, as the scripture says, anyone who trusts, as a pregnant word, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. That's how I know if I actually trust in him or not as the Lord of my life. Can't be put to shame. We'll talk more about that in a minute too. But anyway, that's the good confession. That's the good confession that not only receives, uh, but embraces salvation. And then, after that, we are called to confess our good confession to others as a public confession of faith of Christ. Jesus having said, uh, whoever confesses me before man, well, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. You know, I, I want to hear that. I want to hear him say, oh, I know this guy. I know this one. As opposed to, what's he say elsewhere? Uh, I never knew you. Depart from me. No, I want to hear him confess my name before the Father who is in heaven. I don't know. How, I cut the end of that scripture off accidentally. Sorry. But who is in heaven should be added on there. Uh, okay. Luke uh, uh, quotes Jesus uh, saying something else. Also. I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him, the Son of Man, also will confess before the angels of God. You're going to get a real, you're, gonna, you're probably going to get a tour too. 
it's, it's normal now to be fearful regarding confessing Jesus as our Lord to the people around us, the people we work with, go to school with, and all that. You know, that's, it's okay to be fearful. But we've got to overcome it. I mean, we must fight the good fight of faith. Overcome our fear of sharing our good confession of the Lord of life. Because as Jesus says when he ties those two things together in Revelation, he who overcomes well, shall, be, shall be clothed in white garments. Now later in Revelation, uh, quick aside, he says that they, they are symbolic of the righteous deeds, the righteous acts of the saints. Uh, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. And so Paul encourages Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 to fight that good fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold. Grab on. Lay hold on eternal life. Really own that life. To which he says to Timothy, you were also called and have owned up to it. Owned it. Having, have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. This is what we're called to do, confess before men. Now, on the flip side, uh, there were a lot of rulers in Jesus' day who believed in him, who believed he was the Messiah, the Christ. Same, same thing, Christ, Messiah. But refused to confess him as their Lord in front of their peers because they were afraid of losing their positions and apparently, I mean, you'll see it in a minute, popularity. Fear of losing popularity. Uh, John says it in uh, John chapter 12. Among the rulers, many believed in him, and, and I'll show you, it shows us what they believed. They believed he was the Christ, the Messiah. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Now, I like the literal here because the, there, there's two words for confess in the literal. It says they confessed no confessing. Like they didn't confess that they made that confession. Uh, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. So let's jump real quick to John 9, where he clarifies this, verse 22. For the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah, the Christ, and so that's what they believed but wouldn't confess, uh, that's the good confession, uh, would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, even though these guys believed in him, they shuddered at the thought of publicly confessing him. So now let's finish the other scripture. For they loved... For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. There's the popularity. You know? Whose who's praise, whose approval do you most desire? Because there's been times in my life where I've had it flipped the wrong way. And it doesn't feel good. Don't get them wrong, okay? I know mean, it's just like us. Don't get them wrong. They love the praise of God. They just love the praise of their peers more because their peers, those guys, they're scary. We talked about them last night. Those are guys that had that zeal without knowledge. They didn't understand, but man, they were sure going after it. And so they're afraid of them. These non-confessors who believed in Jesus, they had something worse. They had knowledge without zeal. They knew the truth. They believed Jesus was a Christ. But they didn't go confess him. And so I think we can probably assume, maybe it applies to us too, if you have no zeal, 
to confess your faith, your faith likely isn't worth confessing. You know, if it's not even, if it can't even motivate you to tell somebody you have it. So these guys, these are the example of those who believe in Jesus and think the good confession but keep their mouths shut for fear of offending those whose approval uh, they dysfunctionally desire more than their creators. But, but the thing is, um, it's not called the good thought. <laughs> it's not called the good feeling. It's called the good confession. So these fearful leaders tried believing without confessing. But did you know, and I got a good story, did you know that there were some foolish religious rulers who tried confessing without believing? Confessing? Yeah, funny story. It involves this guy here. Real funny story. You see, <laughs> I'm being a little sarcastic. Uh, you see, uh, seven sons, the seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus, okay? That's his name, the Lord Jesus. They tried to evoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed, but see, they didn't believe in him, and so they are not going to call him Lord. They couldn't do that. They can't say that. So it says they would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Well, one day the evil spirit answered them. <laughs> this is where it gets good. Uh, Jesus, I don't know what a demon voice is. Jesus, I know. You know, maybe it's, oh, uh, Jesus, I know, and I know Paul. <laughs> I don't know how they spoke. Jesus, I know, and I know about Paul, but, oh man, I really want to say who the H are you, but I can't. Who are you? <laughs> then the man who had the evil spirit gave them such a beating. <laughs> These seven guys, they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor that day. <laughs> many, because of that, many of those who believed now came and openly confessed. Yeah, confessed, what, well, their evil deeds. That's part of confessing Christ. Confess their evil deeds. This is where the power is. A number who had practiced sorcery. Well, they began practicing righteousness. It says they brought their scrolls, their sorcery scrolls together and burned them publicly. Could have done it privately. That's not what you do. They're confessing Christ. So they burned them publicly. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. That's how it spreads. That's how it grows in power. And it's all on our shoulders to confess him publicly by showing him, by showing the world who we really are inside our evil deeds and what he's doing inside of us. You see, the most powerful way to share is to show the difference Jesus is making in your life. Now that you've made him your Lord. And our openness to do that, to be transparent and genuine and authentic, that demonstrates our faith in the love and acceptance and authority of the Lord who makes us unafraid and unashamed to be transparent. In stark contrast to the vain bondage of this world, and we underestimate how appealing it is to people. <laughs> 
when they see someone who just has the freedom to say, oh man, am I a wreck? Here's what the Lord's been doing, here's what he is doing, here's what he needs to do. But I'm glad I have him. Everyone else is like, wait, you, people, can just, people can just be free? To be honest, <laughs> I like calling it confessing Christ. You know, we call it witnessing and professing and declaring. I like this term, confessing Christ. Because it, confessing, it, it not only carries this idea of offering the good news about Jesus, but admitting things we don't want to talk about. You know, confessing, admitting our faults and flaws and our fears that we're not proud of. Because Christianity's greatest proof is the new person it's producing. You go, yeah, but the people I'm around, oh man, what if, they, what if they don't see it as good news? They just see it as weird. How's that your business? I mean, you've, you're overstepping your bounds. That is totally in God's wheelhouse. That's, you know, we're responsible for the presentation, not the response. If it's a positive response, then we're responsible for some discipleship, maybe. I used to work with a woman. I have to go back a ways because I've worked at the church so long. Uh, you know, when I'm trying to think of now, when I worked with uh, non-Christians, you know, well, I, I realized that's a long time ago. But I have some good examples. I used to work with a woman who actually practiced sorcery. Older woman, she was a self-proclaimed white witch. Uh, I like to think of it like Glinda on The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah, make it a little more palatable. She was a nice lady. Uh, this was back when I was going to college, and uh, I used to work with feet uh, for a living. I was in charge of, that's, that's me, that's me back in college. Uh, funny thing, I still have that watch that I'm wearing right there. It's in, a, it's in a drawer, and I was watching a trailer for this new Wonder Woman come out, Wonder Woman 76 or something, or I don't know what it is. And it comes up on the trailer, a watch that apparently has something to do with the movie, and I paused it, and I ran to the drawer, and I got it, and I said, Shark, come look! It's my watch. Okay, that's a total aside uh, and a waste of time. Anyway, I was uh, in charge of children's shoes at Bullock's Department Store in Sherman Oaks, California. Anybody remember Sherman Oaks, California, Bullock's Department Store? Okay, oh, that was me in the children's shoe department. And the sorceress worked in children's clothing right next door to me. And so now, for whatever reason, you need to know this about me. I was, I'm wired this way, and I fostered it, and I just enjoy, truly enjoy being around unbelievers. I really do. I like being around unbelief. I'm not threatened by unbelief in any way. I'm not offended by worldly ways. I'm just not. Now, I'm curious. I'm so curious. And I'm fascinated. And I'm concerned. And I'm concerned. And I'll tell you this. If you are a witch, a practicing witch, I have questions. I have so many questions. I got to know so. And so, wow, I was, you know, to say I was genuinely interested is putting it mildly. You're a practicing witch, you're a sorceress. Okay, do you do spells? Do you have a pot? Do you use a broom? I just, I, I don't know. I'm, anyway, I offended her quite often, and she really didn't like me that much. But, but I just wouldn't stop. I needed to know everything about this woman. I was genuinely interested in finding out what she believed and why. That's the big question. Why? Why do you believe that? And why do you believe this? Now, at some point, she starts asking me, well, what do you believe? And then she starts getting curious about me. And so we, we talk back and forth. I readily shared, readily shared my faith, my faults, my flaws, my fears. Like a friend, I decided she's a friend. Now, I was only there a few months, just under four months. 
and then I had to move on. I, I, it didn't appear that I was having any impact. But then what business is that of mine? But when I told her I was leaving, that witch, <laughs> you can say that because she was, that witch told this uh, Christian college boy that I was one of her only real friends. Chokes me up to this day. And she asked why I had to go. And to lighten the moment, I said, well, the Lord said my work here is done. And she broke into tears and said, oh my gosh, I prayed for the first time last night. And I asked the Lord to give me whatever it is you have. Then I broke into tears and then we cried together and we prayed. So much for lightening the mood, huh? <laughs> and that's the last time I saw her. So I think that demon story is kind of comical. <laughs> that demon story is funny. Because that thing, that thing had more faith than the guys trying to cast it out. And that's funny. Remember we talked about old brother James says, even the demons believe and shudder. They know enough to do that. And get a load of this. Luke writes, the demons also came out of many people crying out and saying, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. So, let's get this through your thick cocoon. Not only do the demons believe, they weren't afraid to publicly confess Jesus as the Christ. So what's the difference between me and the demons? How do, I know, how do I know that I'm doing something more than the demons? Well, in a word, trust. I want you to notice the one title the demons leave out. It's the same word that the seven sons of Sceva left out. Lord. Lord. You see, you can believe without trusting. Like the fearful. You can confess without trusting, like the phonies. But I'm here to tell you, you cannot trust without truly believing and openly confessing. Because first we've got to walk the talk, and then we've got to talk the walk. Because it's vital that we verbalize our faith. Know why? That's what makes it our faith. And scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. You go, I don't know a lot of people who trust him put to shame. No, no, no. People will try. They'll try to shame you. I mean, Jesus said, hey, if the world hates you, like this is his big pep talk. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Oddly comforting. I want to be on Jesus' team. Because you see, try as they might, I'll tell you, they cannot put me to shame for my trust in Christ. I, I, I can't be put to shame for trusting in Christ. That's the big difference between me and the demons. Sometimes I look a little more like the demons, but in this big old stark difference, I believe and trust, the demons believe and shudder. So I hope you trust. I hope you don't shudder at the thought of being shamed for sharing your faith. Because a trusting heart is eager to make a true confession. Because everyone, 
everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the whole goal. That's what we're doing here. And so Paul, to make his point now, he reverse engineers the whole process to really bring it home. How then can they call, that's the goal, call on the Lord and be saved. How can they call on the one they've not believed in? Oh, I guess they can't. They need to believe in him first. Well, how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? Oh, I guess they can't. So I guess they got to hear. Yeah, I got Okay, I guess. How can they hear without someone preaching to them? Because they're not going to church. Oh, I guess someone's got to preach to them. How can they preach? Unless they are sent. As it is written, he quotes Isaiah... How beautiful are the feet. I work with feet, so I, I know this verse. How beautiful, get ready, because here comes that where we confess the ugly. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Who's this those? Who's being sent and who's doing the sending? Oh, uh, Jesus has something to say on that. John chapter 20, Jesus said, well, as the Father has sent me... I am sending you. Oh. Oh, so sharing what he's doing as Lord of our life is not an option. It's an assignment from our Lord. Because the responsibility of salvation is to pass it on. I mean, that's our faith works. And that's how faith works. Remember? When the sorcerers brought their scrolls publicly in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. You and I, we, we cannot uh, be ashamed to politely proclaim the Lord of our life. Because there's no such thing as a secret child of God. He doesn't, you know, stick his little secret children here and there. He's no such thing as a secret child of God. So you have to ask yourself... Has my curiosity and concern matured yet into a desire to actually see these people saved around me? In other words, how beautiful are your feet? Because that's the ugly we have to confess. See, the feet of those who bring the good news are beautiful. And if you go, well, I don't want to bring the good, I, I confess the good, I made the good confession. I confess my sin, I got the good and the bad. I don't want to share Jesus. Well, you got to confess the ugly. You got ugly feet. You got ugly feet. They don't want to take the good news to anybody. So there you go. We confess the good, the bad, and the ugly. I can tell you what shoe size you need, but your foot appeal is between you and the Lord, and of course, also the lost who he is seeking. So Paul's quoting Isaiah, that every time you see someone in the New Testament quote the Old, it's a bookmark for those who want ears to hear. It's like, go look it up, read the context. So here it is, Isaiah 52. This comes right before Isaiah's great chapter 53, where he details Jesus' death and resurrection. Here's how he sets it up. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him. The feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation. Now, I want you to notice the difference between Isaiah's feet and Paul's feet. Look at it. Here we go. It's, it's a little bit different, but Paul changes one word, the feet of him to the feet of those. Because Isaiah is referring to the first messenger, the messenger who brings that good news, who proclaims salvation. 
which Isaiah then follows up with a detailed prophecy of Jesus' death and resurrection. And, oh, and Jesus' name in Hebrew, Yeshua, is the word salvation. So it literally says, how beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims Jesus, who proclaims Yeshua, which the Father first sent Yeshua to do, and Yeshua did, and now sends his followers to follow in his footsteps. That's the those that Paul's referring to. So how beautiful are your feet? It's got nothing to do with aesthetics. Because I'll tell you, the one who brought the good news traveled on foot, right? Sometimes bare, sometimes sandals, no arch supports. I would have loved to put him in a nice pair of stride rights, but not possible. Uh, but I'll tell you, his dogs were quite likely quite calloused and scarred. But beauty here tr is truly in the eye of the beholder. This, this rusty old boat here, look at this thing. How rusty, not much to look at, is it? Not much to look at, but I'll tell you this. If the people on that boat took a risk and rescued you from certain death and brought much needed relief in the process, you would later tell that story and you would definitely say something like, oh my goodness, that old boat was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. Right? Because beauty is based on the life that we bring. Those stompers inside your boat shoes might not be much to look at. But if they are bringing someone who's offering genuine relief from guilt and shame and real rescue, you know, from sin and death, not to mention love and joy and peace and all that, they are a sight to behold, according to Nahum, the prophet, chapter 1, verse 15, behold on the mountains the feet of him who brings good news. You know why God leaves us down here after we're saved, right? Because if the whole goal was just get me saved, it's like, well, then beam me up. So why does he leave us down here? I kind of thought this through logically. There's really only two things we cannot do in heaven that we can do down here. Sin, that's one, sin, and share our faith with those who need relief, need the Lord. And I'll tell you, he sure didn't leave us down here to sin. On any given Sunday, there are three types of people sitting in the church. I'm sure there are right now. In fact, I greeted each group this morning. Confessors who are not believers in heart. Believers who are not confessors in the world. And God's children. Confessors, believers, and children. Because you see, confessors must, must believe in their heart. Believers must confess in the world. Because to all who received him with a good confession, who believed in his name, Jesus Christ, my Lord of life. Well, to those, he gave power to become children of God who are ready and raring when it comes to sharing the true confessions of a trusting heart. Let's pray. Father God, we love you, worship you, and, and ask you to nudge us when you want us to share what you're doing in us with those around us. Holy Spirit, 
inspire us and provoke us and train us to desire your praise above all else. Lord Jesus, as we continue to praise you now, we, we profess you as the Christ and the Lord of our life who rules over death. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.